You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about Small Faces, Ogden's Nut Gone Flake. In the room I have Rob, mm-hmm. John, ah. Adam, and Ben. Ha. Ogden's Nut Gone Flake is a four-studio album by the English rock band Small Faces, released on 24th of May, 1968, on the Immediate Record label. The producer was Steve Marriott, Ronnie Lane, and the genre is psychedelic rock and psychedelic pop. And from BBC Review, Chris Jones... Cementing their psychedelic credentials in the summer of 1967 with Ichiku Park on Andrew Logue Olam's intermediate label, a prime example of their hallucinogenic cockney shtick, it was time for the small faces to show that they could really think in terms of the whole albums as opposed to snippets of three minutes of glory. The result? Olgden's <laughs> Nut Gone Flake. Housed in the world's first circular album tin, it was split into two distinct sides— Olgan's first half consists of six tightly buzzing slices of the psychedelic R&B that was now their stock and trade that divides itself between punchy blue-eyed sold stompers like Afterglow of Your Love and the more chirpy psych like Lazy Sunday, inspired by Marriott's feuds with his neighbors. The second side contains the story of Happiness Stan and his quest to find the moon, interlinked by forgotten master of gobbledygook Stan Unwine. Here, the songs are considerably more embellished and varied in texture. From the strange, folksy Mad John to the more rockin' rollin' over, the later featured a brass section while the rest included strings, harps, and the usual trappings expected of bands who wished to signal their serious musical intent. But somehow, at the heart of it all was the Small Faces' muscular approach that makes Ogden certainly the least fey of all English psychedelic classics. Alright, what do we think of Ogden's... Nut gone flake. I think the first fucking side rules, and the second side is like, goddamn mess. <laughs> yeah. So this record, okay. I have, I want to say early, big fan of the faces. Mm-hmm. I mean the big faces. Oh, regular size, regular, regular size, size faces. Just the normal ones. <laughs> Stand, standard but operating like, face. This. Ah, how do I say it? Like this record. While there are songs that are good, I like the intro. Um, I like the songs that are a little more straightforward, but the bouncier songs, it's like listening to a band of Ringos. It's like four <laughs> Ringos all Ringoing it up like as much as possible. Seriously, it's like the Yellow Submarine kind of like Octopus's Garden kind of quality of some of the songs. The only reason those songs work, if you will give them that, is that they're the only song like that on each record. And this, this, there's a lot of those songs, and it's like everybody in the band hamming it up, and it just gets a little too kooky. 
I think that I'm starting to develop the opinion that a one foot in concept album is Ain't not good. enough. <laughs> either 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 don't do a concept album or or be all all in. Just wait till it. it's finished and then release it. Like just like that being said, it's weird. The half of this album that isn't the concept album is the half of it that I like. <laughs> uh, I yeah. Actually, the whole the record as a whole, including side two. It grows on me with repeated listens, and that was the case. I, I know that the regular size faces it, it should be considered an entirely different band. Like, there's enough of a lineup change and enough of a different yeah. change in musical direction. But when I was younger and when I first heard the the normal faces, uh, it was just it, called the faces. Okay, from now on, <laughs> referred to as the faces. It was a it, it was a bit of a slow burn for for me too. Like uh, some of their songs didn't grab me on the first listen, but with repeated listens became really endearing. I'm wondering if th- this album will have that sort of effect on me. I'm at least feeling it mildly. I've now listened to it three or four times, and the parts that would annoy me, like like uh, like track six, "Lazy Sunday," I I, I wrote down. Rooty tooty tum, <laughs> because he says rooty tooty tum. Yeah, that and, killed me. And that was my that was my whole takeaway was that like comment rooty tooty tum. Sarah, that was Sarah and I were having a serious conversation, <laughs> and we we're like, well, I just don't know what you'd say at that moment. And then all of a sudden, he goes rooty tooty tum, and then we both just stopped for like ten seconds and said. Well, that's all you can say on that matter. Really, truly, Tom. I wrote down like, next to that. That is some real British shit right here. <laughs> well, to be yeah. fair, with he repeated w- listens, it it, it it didn't jump out and punch me in the nose as hard. Well, I, you're you're also you're describing how cults get people to come <laughs> to them. So be huh. careful. Huh. Be careful. <laughs> to be fair, that the uh, lazy Sunday was him. Accentuating the Cockney accent because yeah. the Hollies said that he didn't ha- like he only spoke in this accent to he didn't that wasn't his real voice uh, and so he kind of put it on really thick just mm-hmm. to make fun and also the label released that song to their bewilderment because they didn't they they just thought it was a joke they thought it was an album track yeah yeah it, and they were like well this is a, a kind of a not a throwaway song but just a goofy song and here it is their single and they're trying to get away from they were like the monkeys trying to get away yeah. from the image that they uh were these you know kids doing silly songs yeah. trying to be a little more they experimental were they were just small yeah. <laughs> well, well, you also don't write this album when you're trying to get away from silly yeah. songs well, that, that they have accent. a narrator I mean there's yeah. a guy oh my god is he not the narrator as well that's not a member of no, the band. That's, uh, that's Unwin. He yeah. was a, a comedian of the time. Yeah. Unwin. Unwin. And so he Unwin. speaks U-N-W-I-N, and he creates this gobbledygook language called Unwinese. And so it's it's exactly like you'd hear in Clockwork Orange or whatever. It's like, and then he tickledy tummed his ribbledy rums and went out on the pifty pop. Yeah, you know whatever. That's that's apparently originated with this dude. God, Unwin. I fucking hate it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, ribbledy rum. Why the tibbledy tops? Well, Renee is fucking Cockney as shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Super British. No ribbledy rums. Yeah. Though Grimble Grumble. Th- this came. A- <laughs> th- this came after uh, a Clockwork Orange, the book, right? 
I don't know. I do not know. It would have had to have. It would have had to have. Well, I mean, and and, and Clockwork Orange was supposed to be yeah. English mixed with yeah. Russian, but that particular, like, oh, come and get one in the Yabors if you've got any Yabors, you know, and that kind of phraseology seems to track really closely to Unwinnies. Yeah. But I did I did write the words Grimble Grumble next to the song Happiness <laughs> oh, Stand yeah. because yeah. that song, which is the first song on side two, brings us into this this world. You don't need an excuse to, to bring up Grimble Grumble. Yeah, I, I should probably put Grimble Grumble on all my notes. <laughs> all right, Droogies. So, the side two of this, the uh, concept album side of this, it's... It's got the stand-up comedian doing the the gobbledygook narration, which does the opposite effect of what it's trying to do to me. It takes me out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, I, it I takes felt. me out of the album. But for the then, first two, for the first two, I was like, "Well, this is kind of weird." But, yeah. But then it just keeps going for me. And then, but yep. then, like the basis of the like, it tells a story through a few songs, and it's like a coming of age story of some British guy that like. A coming of age story, and then there's like a, a like a thing that happens, and then he the second half of it is a journey, a psychedelic journey into whatever inner self or psychedelic trip or whatever, which is all well and good if yeah. you're gonna do that. What about here, the wo- it, what about the wibbly wobblies when I was a hungry hungo? <laughs> Clockwork Orange came out in 1962, so it was Ah, technically first. But so like, oh, so you encountered a a hungry housefly, and you talked about how what if all the houseflies were one fly? You could probably ride it on a trip. Well, yeah, but but what about Baron Saturday? You should just be talking to him about this shit, and he'll take you on a better trip. (laughs) Yeah, this is the the underworld British children's version. Of SF Saturday, <laughs> and it and it's not a better version. First mm. half fucking first half no, rocks the, really like, good. Though. I think that the Small Faces are a really good band, and I think that they're about a year away from becoming an even better band. Well, think about this: if you were to take the Small Faces first half and then tack and the God of the Vita at the end of it, I think that <laughs> there's your record. A fucking perfect record. <laughs> we got it. We finally got it. <laughs> an old man that lived in the greenwood nobody knew him or what he had done but mothers would say to their children beware of mad john john would sing with the birds in the morning laugh with the wind in the cold hand of night You know, I think the thing that I like about the record, because I think the first half is is solid, but just like the songs don't stick out to me a ton. They just sound good. The band sounds good. I like the vocal performance and style, but like they'll transpose that into the better stuff that they'll do in the future. And you can hear the cool guitar tones like that, like rock quality that is it's not you know, it doesn't just sound like a copy of the Rolling Stones. It's, it is bringing something a little, you know, like, oh, they, they have their own flair. It's not just cla- doing the riffs only. They've got the, you know, like the piano and organ work is cool. That's how I, yeah, that's how I felt. I feel like this is like a building block. You know, you can hear that, oh, this band is good. They're not 
there with the songs yet. They're all over the place with like the record, but like this, they're gonna do some good work. You know what they need? It's Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart. I mean, but then they become the faces. Yes, regular faces. You bring this up. So the small faces, at least in their origin, were a mod band. They 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 identified with the mod scene. Uh, In mod slang, a face. Is like a big personality, an ace, like uh, the Mr. Popular. He is a face, and of the four guys in the band, they were all very minuscule <laughs> adult humans. So they were the small, these small men with big personalities, these small faces. Uh. So then, when a few members left, uh, I think Steve Marriott left to form Humble Pie, mm-hmm. and I think someone else left, and they bring in Rod Stewart. And Ronnie Wood from the Jeff Beck group, where they were both playing, Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood—they're not big guys, but they are normal sized. So the, there's enough of a lineup change that there's a sound change in the band, and also there's enough of an average height change that they're no longer really that small. They lost a few small guys and gained a few normal sized guys, and because of those two reasons is why they became just the faces <laughs> like musically they were different and also their the average height has raised <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah they were all under five feet six inches wow <laughs> and their label didn't want the name change because you know why yeah, would they? Recon- they, yeah, they yeah they've been working with so just dropping the small was the compromise yeah is the band since they were going in a new direction, new direction. slower a nude Erection. Thank you. <laughs> they, I think they wanted like a full, full rebrand, yeah. and uh, and just becoming the faces was like the the agreed upon compromise. Yeah, I thought that I was really surprised. I was expecting uh, the whole album to sound like Lazy Sunday, uh, in having the monkeys sound. Um, I had never heard this album before, and so this is my first time going into it. But things like rolling over has like a really tight piano harmonica sort of sounds loud and snotty and exactly what you would want that sort of mod picking up on the blues but also having their own uh sound so i was i was really impressed with a with a lot of the songs of just how they sounded like you were saying like the stones but a bit different kind of their own thing and then all of a sudden, I freshen your drink up, yeah. exactly. exactly. And so, oh, I'm sweet chimneys and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm at Faulty Towers or something. Oh god, it's very yeah, very funny. Uh, yeah. But um, like you were saying, it just takes you right out of the experience. I at first I was, Chim- I was thinking, oh, it's it's fine for one. Oh, you vendanked me. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I just want to reemphasize the first song is it sounds like a breakbeat, like uh, just an yeah. incredible sound. Super cool. It sounds like something that RZA would work with. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> like, sa- it sounds like something yeah, that came yeah. out in the 2000s. Of I agree, it sounds 2000s. It would fit on the Luke Cage soundtrack. It's yeah. that yeah, kind it of would. gritty it would. street it's sound. Groove. It's, or like, yeah. Yeah, oh, like, it's a groove. Yeah, it's like Kill Bill. Yeah, it's so good. I. So the packaging of this album was, it, 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 obviously the dimensions were different to fit a 12-inch record, but it was simulating a tin of tobacco, and it came with, among other things, rolling papers. Tight. 
<laughs> if you're if you're gonna listen to an entire half of an album that tells you a story about a man who flies on a giant fly to meet a hermit to learn where the moon went, the least you, they could do, the least they could do is give you provide you some rolling papers. That's Which just fine. polite. And, and, and I I don't smoke weed really ever. Would Iron Butterfly have been a better record had I been stoned? Um. If you want my opinion? Yes, I, I do. I, I want everyone's opinion who I pr- actively... I pref- uh, under the influence, I prefer small faces. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, should we talk about the tin? I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty the cool. The design is great. Yeah, yeah. Having, having that in a... That big tin... Uh, so cost prohibitive. <laughs> but I, I think, like, I, think I, they I wonder, only like, did a limited run because of the cost. Oh, I'm sh- yeah, and because I guess it kept yeah, who falling, off, that falling off the shelf. It just rolled yeah, off the shelf. A round heavy tin is not what you put on a record uh, shelf. Yeah. What, an, in, in, an improvised wheel? Yeah. Is <laughs> not what you put on a shelf? <laughs> what do you guys think if there was no uh, narrator? What I if, think that without a narrator, I would like it better. I think that it would be a mo- more cohesive side one to side two album. And I think that they are a strong enough band that even if their songwriting is still developing in certain things, I think that without the narrator taking me out of the experience, I I, I think I could just go from side one to side two easy. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, the, sound, the songs on side two are pleasant and they are more childlike and, and fanciful but not so to the point that they take you away from the whole experience. Right. It's it's the narrator that really does it. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Steve Unwin is great in the right context. I just don't think this is the right context for a cockney comedian. This album is incredibly British though. And and he definitely adds some uh, uh imprimatur. <laughs> if I was 14 and a Brit, I bet that would have just fucking flipped my lid. Yeah, because um, I, I think he was a was he a popular, he was popular comedian at the time? Yeah. So if you heard like Rodney Dangerfield on your favorite album, <laughs> I don't know if that work. I don't know if that would work. I've you heard go, rapping Rodney, <laughs> and it stinks. Did you did you go from saying popular comedian of the time to, to Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. Dangerfield once and future Dangerfield? <laughs> oh well, if you put Dane Cook on that record, everyone's gonna oh, fucking right. love it, you yeah. dickhead. <laughs> What's that guy with the fucking puppets? Give me him. I'll, I'll put him on my record. Oh, no, not the puppet guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Patton Oswalt. You put Patton Oswalt on your record, and he introduces with some gribbledy grobbledies. Still don't so, think that would work. Yeah, so so it's just kind of, you know, like a, a psychedelic bar rock record, but every, every song, Jim Gaffigan's like, hot pockets! <laughs> After a little lapse of time, Stan became deep hungry in his tumload. Oh, after all, he struggled trittily house several mile out, and anyone would suffer under this. So suddenly he did deep focus. Out with his lunchy bag, just about to do a little nib load of his mincy meat, he went. I hear I am 
suppose. Right. Let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> yeah. right. Off the rails. Who wants to go first? How do you feel? Um, I'm going to I'm I'm going to give this one a neutral. But like I said, it has been growing on me with repeated listens. And uh, so the Scientology, uh, fucking no, no, close, that, close yourself off from. It doesn't evil. need to be. It doesn't need to be cult mentality to think that if you listen to things more times, you you like it more. Uh, oh, like I ask said, Sharon Tate about that. That was the case for me with the faces. So, uh, you know, ask me in a few weeks if I've listened to this long uh, longer. I might go into the positive for it. Right now, after three or or four listens, I'm really solid neutral on it. I think they're a great band. I think their best works ahead of them. I think this record's really interesting. I think it's notable, but I think that it's lopsided. Yeah, I'm neutral too. I think that it has some work to do and there's just not enough to push it over into to get excited about it. But that being said, there are a couple tracks on here that I would absolutely put on a mixtape. I would, you know, pass around a, a friend or whatever. Um, if I had not listened to this immediately after listening to SF Sorrow, I might have a bit of a different opinion. I might not. But I'm coming right off the heels of listen to one of the better concept records of British psychedelia that I've ever heard. And this is another concept record of British psychedelia. It's also oh. much stronger than the psychedelica that we were listening to from uh, San Francisco. Absolutely. I Turns mean, out when the Brits uh, put well, it out there and well, get it back, it's a little bit going, better. Their mods going into psychedelic, it's not just a straight jump into It's got those it. R&B yes. But it's, it's just yeah, like, but the, I, I mean, I the musicianship okay. is better. The, you know, it's, it's less... Even though this album has some obnoxious qualities to it, it's not obnoxious in the way that like a lot of that San Francisco stuff was. I for me it's a neutral, but like it's you can hear the players and you can say, gosh, I hope these guys ring it in and pull it together and, and realize their potential and they do. Spoiler alert. And they, they do. do. <laughs> so good for them. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a neutral. Um Again, there are one or two really good songs, and I've got nieces and nephews, and they might like to hear some of the the second half. You know, there's that's a good story about riding a giant fly. Why not? But that's all I got for it. It's, it's <laughs> that, and that literally is is this album. Well, for me, I'm also going to go new, neutral. I'm going to refute a little bit of what Ben said. I don't think that if I had listened to this before SF Sorrow, I would have felt any different. I think that I would have listened to this and been like, oh, okay, and then listened to the SF Sorrow and been like, oh, no, that other one was fucking bullshit. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's night and fucking day. Um, small Faces, first half, pretty fucking good. First track, really really good um but man you can't you can't jump off the way they did and have it be it's not cohesive the the big problem is cohesiveness mm -hmm. and uh and i know that they do get they, they they glue it together really fucking good in the next couple of years so not neutral but with some uh, pretty solid singles cool all right next time we'll be talking about the band music from the big, big pink. pink. Ooh. Ooh. All right, thanks, y'all. Yep. Yeah.